Well, hello there, listener, and welcome to this week's episode of the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm wellness coach and positive psychology practitioner and your host, Darlene Marshall, and welcome to Better Than Fine, where we help you make sense of wellness nonsense. And quick call out at the top of the show, next week, we are going to be doing our annual takeover episode because it's my birthday. Uh, And for my birthday, every year we turn around the mic, we bring in a guest host and they grill me. So if you've got questions that you want answered, you go ahead and send them in. You can shoot off an email to info at darlene.coach. So let's get to it. Over the past few weeks, I have noticed a bit of a shift, a bit of a change in the air, and it started a few weeks before Thanksgiving. I got in my car, I pushed that button to start, and out of the radio came, before Thanksgiving, Christmas music. Not one about you. That is a big pet peeve of mine. Life goes fast enough. Please don't skip over any of the moments. And to me, when you play the holiday music before the Thanksgiving, it is skipping over the moments. But maybe that's just me. I don't know about you. Do what makes you happy. But a few days after Jingle Bells was coming through my radio far too early, uh, one of my mentoring students shoots me over an email with an attachment And in that attachment is a flyer from her building proclaiming to be full of holiday healthy tips, gems of this this whole page, single sheet, front and back, bullet pointed list of tips. Tips like wear tight outfits to parties so you'll control your eating or schedule your post-holiday cleanse which of course then also had an ad for this person's multi-level marketing supplements, naturally. And then I love this one. Have an accountability partner. Having an accountability partner for your diet increases your success by 85%. And of course, there's no citation included with that statistic. And on the front and back of this sheet, there were at least five other ads for this person's multi-level marketing supplement company. And these kinds of holiday tips are absolutely everywhere. Maybe you've noticed them in your social media feeds, in your like regular media that you're consuming. It is absolutely the season for the toxic holiday fitness tips. And for me, they often feel like an instruction manual for how to make myself more miserable at a time of year that is supposed to be about celebration and connection and joy and the things that we love in our lives. And I want to get something straight as I go on this little ranty intro. I believe fully that the people who put out that kind of content are 100% well-intentioned. They believe that they are helping to make people's lives better They're just misinformed about how adults actually make positive, sustainable, lasting, healthy changes. But the result, in my opinion, is some really toxic guidance that unfortunately is often wrong. Many of these holiday health tips actually decrease our well-being, they increase our stress, and they kind of ruin the fun times, the fun stuff. So what I want to share with you this week is what I consider to be my number one tip for how do you have a happier, 
healthier, more connected, more meaningful holiday season that increases your well-being. And the best thing about this tip, it's simple, it's easy, it's free, and everybody can do it. And if you practice it, I think that you will find that you will have far-reaching benefits. We'll cover it a little bit later, but there is science backing that up, that assertion up. You've heard the word before. Maybe you haven't given it much thought, and I hope that I can change the way that you think about it in the course of this episode. And that word is savoring. Now, the technical psychological definition of savoring is to pay attention to, appreciate, and even deepen a positive or pleasant experience, emotion, or upcoming event. Let's break that down for a second. So you're paying attention to, you're appreciating. So you got to be aware of it and you got to give it value or even deepen, right? Deepen the connection to, and it can be a person, it can be an emotion, it could be an experience, it can be something in the future. It could even be reminiscent of the past. We're going to be covering all of this in this episode so that you can really get the juice out of what I really do think is the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> but maybe that's just me and my deep-seated optimism. So unless you've been under a rock, you've probably heard about things like gratitude practices, right? You've maybe gratitude journaled or made a list or whatever way that you might have interacted with the gratitude thing. So practices like that, you're calling up a specific emotional state so that you literally can practice it. You can use that practice to then change your physiological state, your cognition, your mood, your productivity, whatever. Now, I think the the reason that I bring up the gratitude practice thing is because that's probably the closest analog that you're going to already have to this idea of practicing savoring. But unlike gratitude and those kinds of practices, savoring isn't about any one emotional experience. And it also isn't about, okay, I'm gonna set aside time and practice it. The way that you practice gratitude in your journal, savoring is becoming aware of what's already around us, embracing whatever that is, and then really soaking it up. And why does that especially matter at the holidays? Well, in my experience with clients and my experience in doing this for a decade, the holidays are really overwhelming for a lot of people. And for many of us, we have some of our most frustrating, troublesome, problematic interactions of the year in this like six weeks that we're now already in. And I think the best sum up of this, maybe you've actually heard this, Have you heard the Bob Rivers song, 12 Pains of Christmas? Well, in case you haven't, let me read you a list and I'm going to do it Johnny Carson style, but instead of top 10, it's going to be 12 worse. Are you ready? Here we go. Number 12, Christmas carols. Number 11, stale, bad TV specials. Number 10, batteries not included. Number nine, no parking spaces. Number eight, bratty children. Number seven, pushy charities. Number six, facing down your in-laws. Number five, and you can sing it in like five golden rings. Five months of bills, if you never heard the song. Four Christmas cards. Three 
hangovers, two, dealing with all the stupid lights and decorations, and the number one on Bob Rivers' list of the 12 pains of Christmas, finding a Christmas tree. Admitting the holidays are stressful does not make anyone a Scrooge. But I really do think at the bottom of it all, many of us don't want it to be that way. We want to actually enjoy this. We want to feel like in the holiday spirit. So when the indulgences come, when you go to the parties and you're trying to get that certain feeling, we overindulge. Not because we're gross or we're gluttonous or we're bad, but because it's actually a big stress reliever, right? You go to the holiday, you know, party at your job and you get that second or third or fourth drink because you're trying to get there. What I found with most clients over the years, when I ask them about being in that moment, they're not actually, they're not present in themselves. They're not actually enjoying the thing they drove four hours for. They're just all wound up from being in the car. The meal that they spent all day making and now they're exhausted and frustrated. The cocktail party they got all dressed up for and all they can think about is like how tight their shoes are. And this is where savoring comes in. You're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Arlene Marshall, and we're talking about savoring for the holidays. The number one thing that I teach clients this type of year, and here is how it works. So first, you got to be mindful enough to be in the moment that you're actually in. The technical name for that is present moment awareness. And it's one of the first skills that you practice when you learn how to meditate, just like Can I keep bringing it back to right now? Am I aware of the moment I'm in and the potentially positive things about this moment? Or am I thinking about something that my brother did to me 10 years ago? I'm thinking about how my, you know, in-laws might be rude to me later. I'm thinking about that email I didn't write. I'm annoyed at my kid, right? But the opposite of all that distraction anchoring in the moment you're actually in. You might also have heard of grounding practices. It's the same kind of idea. So, you know, tapping, breathing, yoga, right? We're all of those things. We're practicing present moment awareness and having that skill. And it is a skill is the first prerequisite to savoring. And then the second prerequisite is to be able to push aside any seemingly urgent pulls on your attention. And I actually, I think this is actually the hard part for a lot of us. I think that a lot of us have lost the ability, whether through technology or distraction or the intensity of our lives right now, like whatever, shooing that all the way to be where you actually are. You won't be fully savoring your Thanksgiving meal if you've got push notifications coming into your watch every 30 seconds, you're going to be checking the watch and then you're not really like enjoying the cranberry sauce. I don't know about you. I'm a homemade person, not a canned. So oftentimes for me, what works is to remind myself that whatever it is that's pulling my attention away isn't actually dire. And if it's not actually emergent, 
they don't really need my attention. And if it is actually emergent, if it is an emergency, we should be calling an ambulance, right? What did we all do before cell phones? We weren't texting people back during the like holiday party. We were enjoying the holiday party. It's going to be okay. Other similar tactics. I turn off all push notifications other than the emergency ones. Uh, so I just shut all that off on the apps. None of it comes through to my watch. But whatever you can do to protect the time and space of the moment you're actually in. And from there, you can savor what's going on. Whether we're talking about savoring the moment you're in, sharing reminiscence about the past, or anticipating something that you can look forward to. Not just you, but the people around you too. And it might be positive experiences, something like savoring time that you spend in nature, going for a walk outside and paying attention to the leaves on the trees. Or now that it's cold enough where I live, there's not leaves on the trees anymore, but the frost can be really pretty. This morning I was savoring how cold it was when I got up. Uh, it could be enjoying an activity as it unfolds. Maybe you're going to do some kind of holiday craft project. My family builds gingerbread houses every year. Are you actually present or are you thinking like, ah, this is so much work? So it's very easy to dismiss tools like this, ideas like this. And it happens a lot in the positive psychology world that people kind of shrug it off as like, oh yeah, that happiness stuff. But when we focus on the good stuff like this, it isn't just oh, that's nice. Let's get on to the serious stuff now. There actually are very tangible benefits. I'm going to rattle them off here quick, but you'll probably hear some themes and some ways that they connect with one another. So this comes right out of the research where we prime someone with a savoring activity and then we measure the effect it has on them and the baseline of somebody else who isn't trying the same type of thing. And what we found, um, we know that acute and long-term stress has negative effects physiologically on your psyche, like psychologically, and to your nervous system. And there's evidence that shows that savoring activities not only equalize it out, like take you out of fight or flight or return to baseline, but over time, savoring can help to counteract the damage that has been done from really intense or chronic stress. It also increases general happiness, life satisfaction. And I think this is really interesting, the perception of control in your life. When you get to park in a moment and actually savor and enjoy all the good stuff about that moment, you feel like you have more control, more agency, more autonomy in your life. And we know that an increased sense of agency and autonomy helps to improve life satisfaction, helps to improve well-being. And it's something that simple, that seemingly little and fluffy can have that kind of impact. And because of all of that, decreases depressive symptoms, decreases levels of anxiety, improves your mood, improves your overall affect. And I think this one is particularly cool. Improves the quality of your relationships when you savor things, sharing them with someone else, because it helps to bond us. And this doesn't have to be something we're doing together right now. It can be intentionally savoring in anticipation of something, 
right? Like talking to someone about something you're looking forward to and reminiscence too. So it's not that you have to be doing something awesome right now. You can be doing something awesome in the past, talking about it now, and it continues to deepen the relationship, which I think is just really cool. You're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Arlene Marshall, and we're talking about savoring in the holidays and why, to me, it's actually the most important holiday health tip. Matters more to me than anything that you might tell me about wearing tighter pants to parties and having accountability buddies. It's got nothing to me on savoring, and I'm going to tell you why right now. A lot of holiday content is about what and how we eat and drink. So how do we limit ourselves? How do we curb the indulgence? And what I found from a decade of working with clients on this stuff is telling people not to do something that they enjoy does not help them have a nice holiday season. Um, That is a willpower game that will make most people very miserable. And here's how it typically plays out. I interview clients about their experience and they have previously spent holidays feeling like, okay, I can't have that. I'm not going to indulge. I'm not going to eat the cookies. And then they spend a ton of energy thinking about how they're not going to eat the cookies. They're not going to eat the cookies. Don't eat the cookies. And eventually they end up eating the cookies. They eat way more cookies than they would have if they just had had a cookie in the first place. And afterwards they feel shame. They feel guilt. They feel like they somehow have failed the willpower game when in actuality they had incredible willpower. They had a sustained deprivation of something they wanted. Yes, there was a threshold of when it let go, but they had a lot of willpower in the meantime. And if that sounds at all familiar to you, lean in, turn up. This is what I tell my clients is when you have a desire for something, when you have a craving When you have, for me, it's my grandmother's sugar cookies. There's like this deep nostalgic connection with my grandmother's sugar cookies. When you want something like that, go off and find the very best version of it that you possibly can get your hands on. The highest quality, the most delicious, or in my case, the most authentic. I'm going to hang up from this recording this and go ask my grandmother to make me some cookies. Then... Once you have procured the most delicious version of it, enjoy every single bite or drip or drop from the moment that it is in your presence, the smells, the crinkling of the bag or the wrapper, the first bite, be 100% present for it and savor every aspect of that you could possibly connect to because in the presence of that savoring, you will feel satisfied. Because what I found in a decade of interviewing clients about this is that when they finally give in, they're dissociated. They're so agitated and upset and frustrated that they're not tasting, in this case, the cookies. They're just going in. And once you've got the third or fourth one in you and your stomach's starting to hurt, that's when you're like, oh, I really got to put these down. But you didn't actually enjoy it. You didn't taste it. So you didn't get the benefit. You didn't get the positive emotional payoff. 
So instead, get the good stuff. Get the serotonin and the dopamine and the oxytocin. Get the satisfaction. Because that's what's actually going to fill you up and make you feel good. It's not about eating less. It's not about restricting. It's not about any of that. It's about actually enjoying the things around you. And when you do that, you feel good. And then you don't need more, 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 more all the time. And that's really to me why savoring is the number one thing we should all be engaging with in these five weeks of this year. I want to give you a few other suggestions other than the cookie example, because if you listen to this show, you know I'm all about the application piece. I want you to have tools, not just ideas. So here you go. Here are some of the practices straight out of the positive psychology research. And if you wanted to read them, because I'm going to blow through them at a reasonable pace, but if you want to read them, you can check out betterthanfine.substack.com and there's already a write-up there for you. Okay, here we go. And it's not going to be in Johnny Carson style. We're going to really dive into these. And number one is sharing something good with other people. You know, lots of us are socialized to think that when we get good news, we shouldn't blast it out to everybody because you're arrogant, it's narcissism, you're just bragging or whatever. I definitely come from that kind of world. But partly what we're doing when we don't tell people this stuff is we're depriving the people around us that care about us the opportunity to share in our good news and to savor in our success. So the technical word for this exchange of something positive is called a capitalization opportunity. We take the opportunity, we connect over something good. Now capitalization, for it to work, it means you've got to share. And they've got to be ready to connect and to listen to you. So there's nothing wrong with telling people like, hey, this good thing happened and I really want to tell you is now a good time. And then they have the opportunity to lean in and connect. And I did it the wrong way last night. I busted into the kitchen and I was like, husband, I have to tell you about this awesome thing that just happened. And he starts complaining about the garbage. And so instead, I was really upset when really I could have just asked him if it was a good time, right? So number one is the sharing part. Number two is related. It's attentive listening and giving positive reflections. It's being the person on the other side. You want to savor with another person. You want to build a better relationship. Well, if they share something good with you, do you go, oh, that's nice, honey. Or do you just go, okay, cool. And you're back on your phone. Neither of which I recommend. What I actually recommend is you connect, you savor in their good news. And to really get the juice out of that, give them their your undivided attention. Ask open-ended questions about how they feel, about what might happen next, about the things that they did right to help this good thing happen in their world. And not only does that help them explore the good stuff, it also prompts something that's called positivity resonance, where two people start to feedback positively off of one another and it boosts up the relationship and it boosts both of your moods and your well-being, which sounds pretty good to me. I don't know about you. So number one is sharing something good. Number two is being a good listener when someone shares something good with you. And those two things together are capitalization and that builds the relationship. Okay, number three it's probably more what you'd think of as traditional savoring. It's something called sensory sharpening. 
Don't worry, you won't need a whetstone for this kind of sharpening. Eric should worry because that joke is not very good. <laughs> Eric's the producer. Uh, sensory sharpening is to purposely focus your attention on some aspect of the positive experiencing you're that you're already having. So listening to the sounds in the music that you hear, the subtlety, the notes, the different instruments, it's smells. You go off in the woods and it smells like the winter forest smells so different than the summer forest. And I'm going to be in it with the smells. Um, focusing on the subtleties and the tastes and the textures of food you're eating. Regular practices of sensory sharpening continues to increase your enjoyment and your awareness of whatever sense you're investing your energy and time into. And that means that you continue to deepen the pleasure in the savoring. And just like gratitude practice, you can practice feeling good in your body, savoring while you're eating, enjoyment of music. All of those can be practices that involve savoring and build well-being. Number four, avoiding shut down thinking. Now, if you've listened to the show for a long time, you know, I don't give avoidance habits very often. I don't give avoidance practices because avoidance things don't always work. But I think this one's really important. Short description, don't be a buzzkill. We all have bad days, but learn to regulate yourself enough that you're not just like shutting down the good stuff as soon as it starts. You can get stuck in a rut, but can you pull the Eeyore out of the moment you're in? Uh, I know for a lot of people that's easier said than it's done. Downplaying the good stuff is a path to misery. And I'm going to assume if you're listening to this show, it's because you want a different path, right? Better than fine. Uh, and so avoiding shutdown thinking, learning to catch yourself when you're being a bit of an Eeyore park it and choose a different way. And then the last one on the list, shared reminiscence. Pull out the old photo albums, the slideshows, the home movies, get your family, your chosen family, your friends telling stories, and then use those open-ended questions from the act of listening to deepen the storytelling, to explore it, to go deep, to go wide. And yeah, it sounds cheesy. It sounds chintzy. It sounds like something out of a Hallmark movie. But you know what? Measurable effect in happiness. So maybe it sounds like something your grandma would advocate for, but there's a reason your grandma thinks it's a good idea. And I have a perfect example of this too. So last week was my father's 71st birthday. And my husband Matt and I took him out for a surf and turf dinner. And my dad loves food, all food. He just gets very excited about food. But anyway, so Matt was kind of grumpy. I'm sure he doesn't want me to tell you that. But he was kind of crabby that day. And so he wasn't being very talkative. And I'm trying to, like, give my dad a good experience because it's his birthday. And so I started to get my dad to talk about his time in the Navy, which he'll never talk about unless you ask him. But once you get him going, he loves telling these stories because some wild stuff happened while he was like, on a nuclear sub in the Mediterranean, like prowling for the bad guys or whatever. 
And then he'd go to port and he'd have these like crazy party nights because this is, of course, like back in the 70s and everything was a little bit wild. So anyway, by priming him to get him to reminisce and it's shared reminiscence, even though we weren't there because I was not alive yet. He was so happy to tell these stories. He's getting my crabby hubby to laugh a bit. And I just had like this truly joyful feeling at knowing that my dad got to feel that good on his birthday. And again, we can tell ourselves that it's fluffy. We can tell ourselves that it's not a big deal, but we also know that loneliness in elder males is a major problem. So if you've got some lonely males in your life, maybe get them to start telling you some stories and it can really change their feeling of connection with the world for something as small as just storytelling. All right, so let's run that list down one more time. So I told you about the cookies. That's not officially on the list. But savoring the indulgent things that you desperately want, tasting every nuance of them so you actually feel satisfied. But then on our real positive psychology practice list, sharing something good so that you give people the opportunity to capitalize on that positive experience. And the flip side of that, active listening and positive reflections positive open-ended questions, exploring the good stuff with them as practice. Sensory sharpening was number three. That's when we sink in to the sensations of something positive that we're experiencing. Number four, don't be an Eeyore. Avoid that shutdown thinking. And then number five, shared reminiscence. Be in it together. And there's a full written recap of those at betterthanfind.substack.com. And so final thoughts as we're wrapping this one up. Savoring isn't a panacea. It's not magically going to resolve world conflict. And it's not going to cure depression. Though studies do show that it lowers depressive intensity and frequency of anxiety episodes. Hashtag just saying. And while the holidays are not always easy for a lot of people. A few moments of levity, of connection, of something good really can make all the difference. And if you're somebody who is feeling lonely at the holidays, you know, I heard Dan Savage on his podcast last week talk about sometimes lonely at the holidays, you feel less lonely if you're being lonely together. And so going out to a restaurant on a big holiday when you otherwise would be alone. And I've spent some holidays alone. I spent Christmas and New Year's alone while I was getting divorced and it was really hard. But going off and doing something nice for someone else and then savoring their reactions, just that little bit of something positive really can make a massive difference because the goal is not to be a living Norman Rockwell painting. That's not what we're shooting for here. What we're shooting for is being a little bit happier, a little bit more joyful, a little bit more well-being than you would have been otherwise in this moment. And then a little bit more a few moments later and a little bit more and a little bit more because that's how change actually happens. You are a process, not a light switch. And for that process to move in the right direction is good enough for right now. All right, let's bring this home. Next week, I just want to remind you, we're turning around the mic with our special guest host. You'll find out who it is next week. But in the meantime, send over your questions. I really want to hear them. It's info at darlene.coach. I would also love to hear your feedback. That can go the same place. Heck, put them in the same email. My Instagram is also darlene.coach. 
If you're a fan of the show, I hope you subscribed. Thank you to everyone who's left us a review. And if you have been listening to the show, I hope that you will leave us a five-star review because it really does help the show to grow. Thank you so much. What a wonderful year it has been. It's not quite over yet, but I feel so honored and grateful to get to do this show with you and for you every week. Thank you so much. Take care and be well.